Lynn, and welcome to the Vow Part 2 Ring Pop Sunday. Love it. Love it. Only at Next Level Church. You guys, it is so glad. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so pumped about this series that we're in. This is a four-part series that we're tracking here through the fall. Uh, and the reason why is because over the last 16 months or so, really since the economy started to tank, uh, the truth is marriages have taken a hit. Marriages have taken a hit, not only across our country, as many of us are aware, but across our region of the country specifically, all across Southwest Florida, the truth is, you guys, uh, we hear over and over again, week after week after week, of how marriages are struggling, how marriages are on the rocks, and how people have been able to pretend for a while, but now that we're over a year into this whole deal, and the, the thing is the D and the down and the dip and the thing and the whole, it, it's, it, marriages are starting to really, really, really feel the strain. And so we as a church have basically looked at this and said, you know what, we have to do something. We can't not do something. And that's what the vow is all about. About. Now, I recognize uh, that for some of the single people in the room, uh, we, we, we recognize that doing a four-week series can be a little awkward, and some of us want to check out, some of us want to walk out, all of those things. Listen, that's why we're giving away ring pops, people. No, I'm just kidding. Single people, here's, here's the reality. We, we understand that taking four weeks like this in the middle of, of our church life and our, our series and what we do, that this can be a little awkward. I hope, I hope that it won't be. I hope single people in all seriousness, I hope that you'll stay with us. I hope that you'll track with us throughout the four weeks of this series. Uh, and, and as I said last week, I believe that so much of what we're talking about um, is relevant. And, and I heard from many of you single people the, over the past week since we, we launched a week ago, um, contacting me, Facebook and me, telling me, messaging me, saying, Matt, that content hit home, that content stuck in my life, and not just for married people, but in my life as well. So, so single people, thanks for uh, making it through this with us, because we believe God wants to do the miraculous in our marriages, and that's what the vow is all about. So today is part two of the vow, and we're talking about the second vow. Last week, you'll recall that we talked about uh, the vow of priority, that God wants to be the one that we always talk about, you know, I haven't found the one yet, or maybe I found the wrong one, or I need to find the right one. And what we discovered is, according to the Bible, God wants to be the one, and our spouse, he wants to be the two. And so last week, we talked about the vow of priority. This week, we're talking about the vow of pursuit, the vow of pursuit. Does anybody remember uh, that song in like, what was it, like the, or the late 90s or something, uh, where... Okay. I would walk 500 miles. Remember this? Come on. Remember this? Sing it. Just to be that man who walks a thousand miles. Remember the song? That pursuit. I would walk 500. This is my favorite part. Everybody. Okay, I love this song. Like, right now, I'm wearing a cardigan sweater driving in my Camaro. Why? Because that song is like the theme song, isn't it? For every dating couple, it's like, honey, I love you so much. I'd walk 500 miles. No, I'd walk 500 more just to be that man who walked a 1,000 miles to fall down at your door, right? Like, like that is the ultimate theme song for dating people. That there's nothing we won't do, right? I mean, there's not, we'll, we'll stay up late, guys. You know, we'll watch chick flicks, right? Why? To prove our undying, you know, commitment and love. We'll drive for hours on end just, but I got to spend 22 precious minutes with her. 
right? Like, right? There's like this dating couples. It's all about the pursuit, isn't it? But isn't it interesting then for so many married couples that like, like something happens after we, something happens after we get married, doesn't it? For so many marriages like this, the pursuit dries up. And when it does, trouble comes. How many couples have, have, that you hear about that haven't been on a date in years? How many couples that you hear about where the guy hasn't brought her flowers, you know, in decades? It's like, it's like the minute we get married, our marriage begins to fall on, on into the mundane. It's like the pursuit thing is gone. Why is that? Why is it that we have baradata during dating? And yet once we get married, it's like blah, 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 blah. What is that? Well, see, here's, here's what I think. I think that as human beings, there's this thing inside of us where we want what we don't have, don't we? That somehow, somewhere in, in, in our human experience, it's like there's this thing inside of us where we want what we, what we don't have. By, nat- by nature, we pursue what we don't have. Matter of fact, the entire American culture is built on this reality. It, 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 our, our whole economic structure is built on the fact that whatever you have today won't be sufficient tomorrow. You need to buy the upgrade. You need the new model. You need the next year. You need the, the next, uh, you know, coolest. You need the next brightest. You need a new car. You need the home you live in isn't good enough. You need a new home. You, the computer you have is too slow. You need a faster computer. The gadget you have doesn't have all of the features that the new one does. It's like, it's like our culture plays to this new clothes, new computers. That there's, there's this novelty, isn't there? This, this adrenaline rush to something new. But once we have that something, it's like once the newness starts to to fade off, suddenly we start looking elsewhere. It's like getting a new car. You look forward to it. You look forward to it, and you want that new car, and you dream about it. You pray about it. You make it spiritual. God, you know how many people I could bring to church if I had that new car? God, you don't want me to represent you in this old clunker. God, I need it, right? We'll do whatever. Then we get the new car, and for a few months, we're like, oh, I love this car, I love this car. And like, you're like, man, I'm the only one with this car until you get the car, and then you realize everybody else has one just like it. And then what do you do? After a few months, it's like we start looking around, and we're like, oh, wow, look at the, uh, look at the wheelbase on that car. Wow, look at that, wow, I love that. And all of a sudden, like after a few months, this car that we dreamed of and dreamed of and dreamed of, that we really, 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 really wanted, we had to, had to, had to, had to have, Suddenly isn't good enough anymore. And see, the problem is a lot of marriages fall into this very same thing. For too many couples, this happens to their marriage. Where while it's new, while they're in the dating pursuit, the walking 500 miles part, it's, it's all novel, it's all new. But, but as the novelty wears off, once the newness wears off, once they stop pursuing each other, suddenly it's like their eyes begin to wander. Suddenly the marriage starts to fade. How is it possible that God would create something so foundational to the fabric of our culture, to our society, how is it possible that God would create something so important 
as the institution of marriage and then yet somehow, some way, apparently create us as human beings to have this thing inside of us where we want what we can't have. Does anybody else find that peculiar? Does anybody else feel like that somehow, what is God, is God like an evil teacher who throws a pop quiz at us called marriage? Going, ha ha, watch this. Marriage. And after a few years, we're like, oh, frustrated. What, what is that? Is, is, is God playing an evil joke on us? That he would set something up to be so huge in our culture, in the fabric of our society, and the fabric of his creation is marriage, and yet leave us out here with this pursuit of wanting what we can't have. Is God being a jerk? Or is there something greater going on? Well, my contention today as we talk about part two of the vow is that I think as we study Scripture, we're going to find out that there is indeed something greater going on. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and I want us to look at one verse, because in order for us to understand what that something greater perhaps that's going on is or might be, in order for us to understand that, we have to go back to the very beginning of the story. We have to go back to the very beginning where God is instituting marriage. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we, we find this. It's in the beginning of the Bible, and here's what it says. For this reason, watch this. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And they will become one flesh. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Right here, God is setting in place the institution of marriage. He says, I want one man and one woman to be united, and the two will become one flesh. Now, now, here's the thing, as we read that in English, it doesn't, doesn't sound very powerful. And here's why, because when we think about it, okay, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united. Everyone say united. The word united right there, we, we, in English, it kind of loses its power. And here's why, because the definition of united in, in, in English, a couple of things come to mind. That one, united is an airline that still continues to charge for baggage. Fuel prices have dropped. It's ridiculous. Want to preach real bad right there. <laughs> Want so bad to preach on charging for luggage. And then giving me dirty looks when I carry on a big old fat jumbo roller bag. Don't judge me. Don't condemn me. Love me. I ain't giving you more money. I need to stop, don't I? I really do. I really do. This stuff goes to the internet. And if the president of United Airlines calls this week and is like, hey, how about you stop dogging? How about you stop charging? <laughs> I think I got a pretty good argument, to be real honest with you. Okay, that's one way to define United. The second way, come on, stay with me. What's your problem? You guys are all over the place this morning. Come on, right here, right here. Why you got to make it about the airlines every Sunday, guys? Come on, come on. The second way we would define united is kind of this idea of agreement or like to, to vote, you know, together. Like, a, like a, okay, a husband and a wife, we, we're united on where we want to have dinner, that we're in agreement. Or, you know, we kind of cast our vote, uh, you know, our decision-making power in the same direction. 
Listen, I don't think either of those definitions are are what's going on here. In order for us to truly understand the power of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we have to go back to the original language that was written in, which is Hebrew. Because in Hebrew, the word for united is the word debak. Debak. Everyone say debak. Debak. D-A-B-A-Q. And when you go back to the original Hebrew, here's what the word debak means. It means to cling or adhere. And then look at this. To catch by pursuit. And not just any kind of pursuit, but to pursue hard with affection and devotion, with affirmation, to, the, to debauch. So it says, watch this, it says, a man will leave his father and mother and debauch his wife. He will pursue, and not just any kind of pursuit, but a hard pursuit with affection and devotion and affirmation. A man and a wife will become one flesh in the midst of this idea of pursuit. In other words, God has created a husband and a wife to keep pursuing each other. That's the secret. If you want to know the secret, God's not setting up marriages for failure. According to the scripture, he's setting us up for ridiculous success. Because a man will leave his father and mother and will pursue and keep on pursuing. It's the present continuous tense of the verb. This isn't a one-time pursuit. This isn't walk 500 miles. Yes, walk 500 more just to be that man until you get her. No. God instituted marriage and he said, I want marriage to be one man and one woman in hot pursuit of one another where they pursue each other and they continue and continue and continue to pursue one another. Every successful marriage never stops pursuing the two. That God is the one and your spouse is the two. And if we're going to see success in our marriages, it will be because you and I, husbands and wives, never stop pursuing the two. No matter how busy we get, no matter how bad the economy tanks, God's desire, plain and simple, is for every husband and every wife to keep pursuing each other. You know, God does this for us. Throughout the Bible, we see this picture of of marriage as an illustration or a picture of of Jesus and the church. That over and over again, we see this picture that of Jesus Christ is the husbandman, that he is the groom. And we, the church, his, his church, are his bride. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, we actually see that there's a marriage ceremony between Jesus and his bride, a pure spotless bride. The church of Jesus Christ on the earth today is is the bride of Christ. And isn't it interesting that God keeps pursuing us throughout our lives? Jesus has come, be with me, come follow me, draw close to me, draw near to me. I'm longing to be with you, spend time with me. Jesus is longing and is pursuing his bride. That's why I love this new song that we're singing in worship. I love it. Oh, how he loves me. That's why we introduced this song during this series because it's such a picture for us of how Jesus is pursuing us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He is pursuing, ever pursuing his bride. And listen, every successful marriage understands this pursuit of the bride, pursuit of the groom, pursuit 
the wife pursuit of the husband. See, if our marriage is ever going to beat the odds, if, if, if our marriages are going to stand the test of time, it will only be as you and I, husbands and wives, keep pursuing our two. That's what God wants. So what does that look like? You guys know here at Next Level Church, we're pretty practical about stuff. That We don't just get all theological or philosophical or 35,000 foot view, but at some point, we try every week to bring things down, to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for all of us. So I want to I do that. And if you're taking notes in your bulletin, I want to give us three ways, I think, married couples, that, that, we're to, that we are called to pursue our spouse. Okay, are you ready for this? So here's some practical pursuits. The first one is this. Number one, when you think something good, say it. When you think something good, Say it. Listen, if we're going to, to be faithful to the vow of pursuit with our spouse, if we're going to pursue our husband like he needs to be pursued, if we're going to pursue our, our wife like she needs to pursue, then it starts with the words that we say. Look at what the book of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says this, But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Oh, thanks for clearing that up. Dude, I totally didn't know what daily was until you said that. Oh, oh, Today. Got it. Listen, look, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. The reason he repeated himself right there is to add emphasis, by the way. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Watch this. The way we get around sin's deceitfulness in our lives is through encouragement. And not just occasional encouragement. Daily, as long as it's called today, daily encouragement. Listen, we can't ever forget, husbands and wives, that we're not living in a spiritually neutral world. We are living in a battleground. We are living in a spiritually charged atmosphere. And the enemy of our souls wants to keep us as Christ's followers defeated, deflated, discouraged, or down in any way that he can. And watch this. One of the most powerful places for the enemy of our soul to attack us is in marriage. Why? Because Satan understands that the person who knows the deepest places of our heart is our husband. The person who knows us the best, the deepest places of our soul, is our wife, is our spouse. And so watch this. Satan wants to attack and bring discouragement, defeat in our marriages because he knows that's where he can discourage us in the deep places of our soul. What does that mean? That simply means this encouragement thing is huge. Husbands and wives, listen, the words we speak to our spouse are absolutely huge. Encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, encourage one another. So what does that look like? How do we, how do we think something good and say it? Let me go two directions. Okay, first is for the men. Ready? All right, husbands, here we go. Listen, we must, when it comes to the words we say, if we're going to pursue her, the vow of pursuit, and encourage her, then we must encourage her, pursue her with words of affection. Men, listen, your wife needs words of affection. All of the men in the room said affection. Come, okay, come on, guys, come on, come on. Uh, fellas, 
Listen, I know we don't do the whole call and response thing much, but guys, listen, we got to get this one big time. All the men said affection. There, all right, all right, all right, all right. That's good, that's good, that's good. Okay, look, here's the problem, though. And ladies, I'm going to let you in on a little secret with this whole words of affection thing. Um, this is a really hard one for us as men. And, and here's the reason why, because ladies, we don't give compliments like you guys do. Like, women have this thing in them, and it can get a little catty sometimes, but stay off of that just for a sec, because uh, that doesn't lead me anywhere good with the ladies in the crowd. But ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you see each other, and you're like, oh, I love your shoes, and oh my goodness, that person, oh, where did you get that bracelet, and how much was it on sale? Oh, right? Okay, the ladies kind of have this way, like, they can encourage each other, they compliment each other. Guys, we don't do that. Like, we don't walk up to each other and be like, dude, sweet jeans. We never do that, okay? And I'm glad we don't. I'm glad. I'm just saying. But listen, like when it comes to like the mushy stuff, guys, we don't do that. What do we do? We like dog each other out and we think we're complimenting each other, right? It's like we see a guy and we're like, dude, you're such a doofus. Nice hair, you dork, right? And the guy's like, oh, thanks. Yep. I know. I know. I'm such a dork. <laughs> guys, so listen, when it comes to like this whole like words of affection thing, like ladies, I'm being honest with you. Some guys right now are going, bro, that's probably right, but I don't even know what that looks like. Okay, guys, let me drill down a little bit further because it's not just like any words of affection are going to work for your wife. Listen, man, here's where it's at. When I talk about pursuing her or encouraging her with words of affection, I'm talking about non-sexual words of affection. Baby, you look smoking sexy hot in them jeans, honey, isn't doing anything for her. Okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you, it might be doing something for you, and you're like, oh yeah, man, I encourage my wife all the time. No, 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 no. Non-sexual words of affection. Now, here's the thing, ladies, and you totally got to understand this. Right now, all of the men in the room are looking at me going, oh, what do you mean? No, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Right now, most all of the men are going, bro, I know that's probably right. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> Blank. Right up here. I'm just saying, men, okay, look, here, here's, here's where it's at. It's all about telling your wife that you love her, but not just any kind of, Love you, babe. Yeah, I love you too. Love you. Yep, love, 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 love. I, I love you. It's, no, no, no. Like, no, 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 that didn't work. I don't know if you're like me. It's like, yeah, I love you. It's like, okay, I love you in our culture. It's like, listen, she knows we love the Colts. I mean, it's like, you're right. I mean, she knows we love our football team. It's like, okay, so, so I love you doesn't, doesn't go far enough. Men, listen, if we're going to pursue her, if we're going to encourage her with words of encouragement, listen, here's where it lives. I love you because, and then fill in the blank. If you want to encourage your wives, men, start filling in that blank. Honey, I love you because you're smoking hot. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's not it. Come on. Come on. Stop goofing around. I love you, honey. Why? Because you're amazing when you deal with our kids. I love you, honey, because of the way you take care of our home. 
I love you because of the way you pray for our family. I love you, honey, because you work that job and you're so faithful. I love you, honey, because of the way you take care of me. I love you, honey, because of all of the things you put up with. Honey, I love you because you exude the character of Christ from inside of you, and it makes such a difference around here in our home. Men, that's the way our wives need to be encouraged with words of affection, non-sexual words of affection where we can look at our spouse and say, baby, I love you because. See, man, we have to understand that our wives are walking around every single day asking this question, do you love me today? And it's our job, men, to pursue her with words of affection. Now, ladies, let me flip it over. Because men, we must pursue her with words of affection. But ladies, you got to pursue your husband, your man, with words of affirmation. Women, listen, your man needs to know that you believe in him. I speak for every man in here when I say, listen, we have become experts as, as the male race at faking everybody, else, everybody out. We've become experts at leading other people to believe that we actually know what we're doing when the truth is we don't really have a clue and we're just trying really hard to fake everybody out and to figure it out and hope we don't get caught. It's this feeling of, ah, I don't know. Listen, ladies, listen. Inside your man is a little boy that is longing to know that the woman who knows him better than anybody else on the planet actually believes that he can become the man that he dreams somewhere deep in his heart that he can become. Wives, listen, your man is becoming what you see in him. And if you only ever point out what a doofus he is or how irresponsible he is, then that's what he'll become more of. I cringe when we're in public with a couple and the wife starts dogging out the husband. Well, he always does it. Well, he's so horrible and he's always working too late. And I just stand there going, you don't know what you're doing. You're destroying him on the inside. Because see, every wife walks around with this question, do you love me today? Wives, listen, every man walks around with a question in in his heart saying, do you believe in me today? And if all you're doing is pointing out what a doofus he is, then that's what he'll become more of. But lady, listen, if you'll point out the positives, then that's what he'll become more of. Yeah, well, Matt, you know what? My husband doesn't do anything good that I can point out. And maybe you're sitting here today thinking that. Can I tell you something that I firmly, firmly believe in my heart? Every man doesn't do everything wrong every time. I don't care how bad your marriage is. I don't care how bad of a husband he is. There is something in your world, something, that he does right. And we need you to find out what that is. That's your starting point. Well, he works too late. Well, if he comes home 15 minutes early, you tell him. Man, thank you. So, husband, I want you to know, I noticed that instead of coming home at 8, you came home at 7.45. And I want you to know that I'm sure that there's things on your to-do list that didn't get done. But, man, you have no idea what that means for me and the kids. Thank you. Did he mow the yard this week? Tell him it looks good. Did he pick up his shoes without you asking him 14 times? Point it out. Encourage him. Why? Because inside your man is a little boy who wants the woman of his dreams, who knows him better than anybody else knows him, to believe in him. Your opinion of your man matters most to him. 
Wives, listen. When you think something good, we need you to say it. Number two, when you think something special, do it. If you think something special, do it. How do we live out this vow of pursuit? How do we encourage one another as husbands and wives? It it happens not only in what we say, but in what we do. James chapter 4 says this, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. I love this verse because James makes sin personal. We often think of sin as like the big ones and murder and blah, 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 and all of that. Listen, James makes it personal right here. He says, listen, if you know the right thing that you're to do and you don't do it to you, it's sin. Sin becomes personal right here. And so men, we've got to engage this. When you think something special, men, do it. What does that look like? It looks like serving her. Guys, listen, I wish what I was about to say wasn't true, but somehow in the whole scheme of the husband and wife thing, it is true. Guys, listen, romance to her isn't just all about expensive restaurants and flowers. You know what romance is, men? Bathing the kids before bed. I know, I know, I don't get it either. I don't get it. How is unloading the dishwasher romantic? But it is. What is that with our chicks? What is going on with our wives? Well, here's the reality. Listen, our wives find it romantic when we serve them, when we bathe the kids, when when we get in the van and the gas is on E and we're not like, well, she should have thought of that. Be more responsible next time. But instead, we actually fill it up for her. Guys, she loves that. Leaving her little post-it notes. Pursue her in what we do, guys. Leave her a little post-it note on her mirror. Leave her a little post-it note on her steering wheel. Text her in the middle of the day and say, baby, I love you. And not because you're smoking hot. I love you because you're amazing. Because this, because that. Tell her that do something when you think something good. Do it, guys. And ladies, listen, when you think something good, do it. It. (laughs) Do it. No, 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 listen. We don't care about the dishwasher and the gas tank. We got it. All right? You want to encourage your man? You want to pursue your man? Do it. Three times, four times, six, seven times a week, baby. You pursue it. Do it. Do it. I thought the men would applaud. Listen, if you want daddy to keep pursuing you, keep pursuing him. Give him something to come home from the office early for. The Bible says a marriage bed is undefiled. Be creative. Have fun. You're married. You are his only righteous outlet. Yeah, but I don't look like, I don't feel very sexy. No, 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 no. Listen, wives, you got to understand something. You don't have to be a supermodel. This is going to set somebody free. I'm dead serious. I don't know why we're all laughing right now. Wives, listen, God has created us with this thing inside of us as men that you are our 
two. You're the one we want. You're our spouse. You're our righteous outlet. You're our wife. We want you. You don't have to look like all of the supermodels we see on TV. You don't have to be that. You know why? Because you're ours. And that's enough. And some of us wives, listen, let me give you permission to be you. And go home and pursue your man in the it zone. Your man will come alive. One of the places men want to be pursued and wanted most is in the bedroom. Number three. (laughs) Nervous laughter is a beautiful thing, isn't it? If you want something different, be it. Say it, do it, and be it. In no other area of our lives, in no area of our lives, can we neglect something for an extended period of time and it improve. Guys, it's like the yard. Like, we can't neglect our yard for four or six weeks and walk out one day and expect it to be better than it was. The weeds are going to grow up. It's like our health. You can't eat whatever you want to eat, not work out, not exercise. We can't neglect our health over a long period of time and expect ourselves to just be more healthy at the end of that period. The person who owns a business knows they can't neglect their business for eight or ten weeks and at the end of those eight or ten weeks, step back in and expect it to be better than when you walked out. It doesn't work that way. In no area of our life can we neglect something for an extended period of time and actually get better results. And marriage is the exact same thing. We can't not pursue our marriage, pursue our spouse, and think it's going to get better. If our marriage isn't everything we want it to be, you guys, it's up to us to push in. It's up to us to pursue it. We've got to be the change that we want to see in our marriage. We've got to be the one to go first, to be more Christ-like and God first in our marriage. Yeah, well, Matt, you don't understand. And if he would just say he was sorry, if she would just own up to that, if they would just own a nickel's worth of their responsibility, then I'd move off my position. Well, guess what? Your marriage will never become everything God wants it to become until one of us is willing to move first. If we want something different in our marriage, then guys, we've got to be it first. Go first. Show grace first. Pursue first. Some of us have never had that. Some of us are looking at our marriage right now and we're going, Matt, you don't understand. I've never had that. I've never had a godly marriage, a God-first marriage, a God-honoring marriage, the kind of marriage that you describe. I've never had that. Well, listen, if, in order to have what you've never had, you have to do what you've never done. And for some of us, that looks like the vow of pursuit that we've got to engage. We've got to commit today to pursuing our two. Like Christ pursues us. For others of us, we're here and we're looking at our marriage and we're going, I remember when we did. I remember when we had that. But somehow over the months or years or decades, we've walked away from that. And for you, I would say to get what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. You've got to return to the place where you'd walk 500 miles just to be with them. You've got to return to that place where you'd pursue your two. See, God didn't set up marriage as a sure fail. 
He set it up so that husbands and wives would debauch, would catch by pursuit, hard pursuit, would pursue and keep on pursuing. Marriage isn't set up for a failure. It's actually set up, according to Genesis, for success. Can we pray together this morning? Will you bow your head just for a moment across this room? See, guys, God created us to pursue one another, and I just want to pray for marriages today. And if you're here today and your marriage isn't where you want it to be, I want to pray that you would commit to the vow of pursuit. Maybe you're here and God is speaking to your heart and you're feeling the conviction, not of me, but of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is convicting your heart, husbands. He's convicting your heart to pursue your wife, to encourage your wife, to serve your wife. Wives, you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now that that God is convicting you to love your man, to believe in your man, to encourage your man serve your man. And if so, I want you to know that this is the moment where things can begin to change. This is the moment where God wants to do miracles in your marriage. And so, Father, right now, across this room, Lord, those listening over the internet, God, those watching over the internet, Father, I pray for every marriage represented today. God, you see that there are some marriages that need a miracle. And Lord, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit right now in this moment would begin to release miracles, God. Lord, just release miracles. Just begin to do do miracles. Lord, open up the lines of communication. Lord, I pray, Father, that we as husbands would just, would pursue the vow of pursuit. God, that we would commit to this and we would begin to pursue our two like you, Jesus, pursue us, your bride. Father, I pray for the wives in the room that you would, would allow them, God, to just cross over that line of their heart, that they would, they would forgive, that they would show mercy and grace, and that they would begin to pursue their man. They would begin to believe the best in their man like never before. Staying in this spirit of prayer, I, I mentioned earlier that marriage is a picture of Jesus and the church and how Jesus pursues us. And I just believe that there are probably some of us who've come into this room today and you're far from God, that you're not in right standing, right relationship with Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. See, Jesus has spent your entire life pursuing you. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And nothing we could say, nothing we could do will ever make Jesus love us any more or any less than he already does in this moment. He is the fullness of love just as we have a command to pursue our spouse in marriage, Jesus is pursuing you today. And if you're here today and you, you've not responded to that ever, or maybe you did, but you walked out on him and you put distance between you and him, I just want to, in the stillness of this moment, give you an opportunity to, to respond and to say, okay, Jesus, I respond to your pursuit. I respond to that. And I say yes. It's like when, when you're in elementary school and you write a note to a girl that says, will you go with me? Yes or no? Some of us have been circling no for a really long time. Some of us have been circling or. Today's your day to move the circle and to circle yes. Jesus, I recognize your pursuit and I respond to it. 
If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Will you just in the stillness of this moment, nobody's looking around. This is just between you and me. Will you just slip your hand up real quick? I, I just want to, if you want to respond to the pursuit of Jesus, respond to the pursuit of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else who just, Matt, that's me. I just need to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Awesome. Father, across this place, Lord, you see those that have been moved in their heart. God, thank you that you love us so much that you pursue us. God, that you that love that you had for us goes way beyond just a, a verbal love. But Lord, it became physical when you, Jesus, came to this earth and died on a cross in pursuit of us. Jesus, right now, Lord, many of us lift our hands and we just say, God, yes, we respond. We respond to your love. We ask you to forgive us of the sin of the wrongdoing that separates us, that creates that distance between you and us. And Lord, we ask you through the blood of Jesus on the cross that you would forgive that sin in our heart. We respond to your pursuing today and we draw near. We thank you, God, that even in this moment, relationship begun. So Father, I thank you for the vow. I thank you for this series, and I thank you, God, for the marriages represented here. Jesus, we know that marriage is tough, and we know, God, that we can't do this alone. So God, I pray for every husband and every wife that you would give us your strength, supernatural strength, courage, power, and ability to pursue our spouse in the days ahead, to chase after them, to to be in hard pursuit, God, of our spouse, Lord. For those who had it and lost it, let us come back to it. For those who've never had it, may this be a day where we just step in, Lord, to a new place in our marriage, God. Father, we'll thank you for it. God, we thank you, Jesus, for the miracles you're doing in marriages today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all across this room, everybody said, Amen. Right now, can we just applaud the Lord? Just thank Him for what He's doing in marriages today. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you do.